1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
2: Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Cold day out there, but don't worry about the snow because uh, my son-in-law convinced me to buy a snowblower (laughs) <laughs> we're never going to have snow this year. So a couple of quotes, and I think these are really good ones from Confucius. Sometimes life can be as bitter as dragon tears, but whether dragon tears are bitter or sweet depends entirely on how each man and woman perceives the taste. I guess in other words, life is hard, even cruel, but it's also what you make of it. And then finally, uh, I think I can't remember who exactly said this, but for all the sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these. It might have been. Uh, There we go. Starting off uh, thinking positively. In the meantime, uh, you know, this has been kind of an unusual first part of the year, and we're going to get into that in a second. But if you'd like to, uh, you know, I've been talking about several things the ADRs, American depository receipts, foreign stocks are starting to outperform. And that may be because of the dollar. OK, so we got to watch that kind of closely. But also, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things that I think are very important. And, and somebody asked me, uh, I had two questions uh, that just came in. And number one, Jim, where would you place your money right now? And I would say, you know, if, if my stock money, I'd have at least 50% in dividend growth. They tend to be value stocks and they tend to be long term oriented. And the other 50%, I'd be looking at our best ideas, Uh, all cap, okay? Because Lori Calvathina is talking about the small caps, and the small caps have broken out. They've broken their downtrend line. The large caps, the the Dow stocks, which where there's a lot of the dividend growth portfolio, have broken out too. The S&P 500 got right to where it was going to break out last week, and Remember we talked about whack a mole. <laughs> Tom Lee, you know, the the game we used to play when we were kids and they'd spring load these things and one mole would come up and you'd whack it with a hammer. The Fed came out as soon as they as soon as we were just about to break out on the S P five hundred and our our favorite lady from the Cleveland Fed basically put a kibosh on that. And then the next day we had industrial production and industrial capacity come out and they were quite weak. So we'll see what happens. But if you'd like to have a cup of coffee. Talk about your portfolio. Talk about the markets, uh, wealth plans, whatever. Uh, go to WHK fourteen twenty, and go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, and uh, it goes right to my web page. And there's all sorts of contact me and email me. Make sure you go to the insight page. Okay, that's a very important page. For those of you people, you know, I'll just say this. Uh, you know, if you own a company and you don't think you're putting enough away. In your 401k, or you'd like to see if you can put more away, we work very closely with Dunbar, uh, Dunbar and, and Bender. Uh, Dane Toppage was on the show a couple of times last year, and uh, he's very good. The other thing is, uh, if you're planning on selling your company, uh, we, what we do for our clients is we give them a good idea of what it's really worth because what you're going to talk to is private equity, probably and they want to lowball you. What private equity does is lowballs the people, gets the cheapest price they can, then figures out ways to increase their cash flows and sell for three or four times what you you sell them to. So uh, it's all there. Uh, remember, the dog's the bow. There's, there's one dog of the Dow that has a 6% dividend yield, and they did outperform the, the S&P by about 15 percentage points. So they were only down 4% last year. Uh, you know, the S&P was down about 19 So. You know, I was listening to Lori Calcedon this week, and I, there was two big things I thought you needed to know. First of all, 2023 estimates have been coming down, and it's finally hit some of the leadership sectors like energy. Uh, it's finally taking its lumps. Um, and also some of the staples, too. So uh, second, the S&P 500 stocks with high international revenue are outperforming domestically-oriented companies. So that's the ADRs we're talking about, okay? Uh, Foreign stocks have been outperforming. The domestic stocks, it's that simple. So, you know, you have 2023 earnings per share forecasts have continued to soften. And so the former leaders are are starting to take their lumps. And what's interesting is, you know, you've got the semiconductors thinking that they may have bottomed. Okay, and the drugs getting starting to get beat up, and, and some of them got beat up hard. You know, J and J was one eighty; it's now one seventy. Uh, you know, they beat Pfizer up, they beat Merck up a little bit. So, um, so uh, you know, industrials also got beat up. And, and remember, you know, the industrial production numbers were down. And it's two months in a row now, and the and the capacity numbers were down a lot. So that's something you got to think about now. The other thing we talked about, uh, or Tom Parcelli talked about, is the retail sales report was pretty rough. It was a rough. Uh, that's when our our Fed chair, uh, you know, from the Cleveland area, she came out and uh, kind of poo pooed uh, <laughs> some things. And then we had the industrial production numbers. So we had a, a copy of it. Uh, I mean, a, you know, a one two hit. So we we whack we whack two moles <laughs> on this one. Um. But in both the November and December, ten of the thirteen retail sectors saw declines. Yet so far this year, the sectors that are leading are the consumer discretionary, uh, communications, and real estate. And they were all they were the lags last year. I mean, they're the worst performing sectors. So uh, maybe they're you know trying to buy low, sell high type of thing. But I think the Fed continues with this whack-a-mole strategy that our good friend Tom Leah over at Fundstrat talked about. Now, the other thing is, uh, you know, I'm old enough to know I was around when Paul Volcker was around. And, you know, Volcker, he started to worry about the, you know, I mean, he he really crushed any hope of uh, inflation. Uh, It was Arthur Burns had turned on the tap during the Carter administration and never turned it off, and he turned it off. The other thing is he had to fix the open market operations because they were screwing around with those. But there came a point uh, by weight uh, that the CPI that 34 percent of the CPI was in deflation. That's what happened back in 1982. This was yeah beginning of the 82, and uh, I, I guess it was it was uh, latter in the 82. It was October, I think, and You know, cash was a great alternative back then too. But in the ten days after that, that information came out, the S and P 500 exceeded the four percent return of cash. So that that's the type of moves you get. Okay, so we had a downturn this week in the PPI, the Producer Price Index, and that portends a continued down leg in the CPI. Uh, Of the eleven sectors, four had solid. Uh, IBIT correlations, if you know what I mean. And um, the least impacted are technology, discretionary, communication services, and financials, which happen to be leading so far this year. That's interesting. And I think the big news uh, is that the December CPI, 59% of the components are now in deflation. And that, that's big. And I'm supposed to tell you that this is a live show. <laughs> do you forget to do this? Uh, if you have a question, please call in. It. It's two one six nine zero one. 901 O nine four five. That's two one six nine oh one oh nine four five. And i we'll try to answer anything you you know. But look, uh the new year has seen equity start off on the right foot, uh, with the small and mid caps leading the way. And that's just what Lori Calcina has been saying. So as we look at the equity environment, I think there's six characteristics that we we that should continue to make small caps and uh, and mid caps more attractive. Um, they have below average uh, valuations. They're inexpect, inexpensive relative valuations. Also, uh, they have better, better earnings profile, uh, and they they basically factored in a recession. I mean, most of the small and mid caps are down sixty to eighty percent, and there's stronger lifts, you know, lift offs in those when the the bull market cycle begins. Because what was interesting this time around. Uh, is the lack of volume on the downside. It just, it was just no liquidity. I mean, they just took them out, you know? And there was a certain discount broker that did a lot of that, which uh, makes me, you know, you wonder why you're not paying commissions. (laughs) Uh, But they just stepped out of the box on the NASDAQ. And uh, so leave it at that. But they do have some diversification benefits. So, you know, small and mid-cap. So, like I said, somebody asked me about, Asset allocation. And I would suggest that it's 50% dividend growth or value stocks and 50% in all cap, our best ideas. Okay. So small cap, mid cap, and large cap. Um, by the way, uh, Bert uh, emailed me this morning and said, Tim, what are the top indicators right now that you see for individual stocks? Well, first of all, you've got to get over your 200 day moving average. That's number one, Bert. What I prefer is there's a lot of stocks with the 50 days crossing over the 200 day. That's even better, okay? So crossing over your 200 days, the first step, and then the 50 over the 200 is even more important, in Tim's personal opinion. But look, right now, I think you got to, you know, fin- financial markets remain choppy. And, you know, many of the headwinds that killed our risk appetite last year still prevail. All right, it's a, it suggests a modest defensive stance in, in portfolio positioning, but you got to look six to eight months ahead. Remember, by the time you know that we're in a recession, the market's bottomed. All right, and if I look at the chart, you know, we talked last year about this time that the market was at the top trend line, and we said in the past what it's done is had a couple whoopses and then gone sidelines, sideways. We didn't know that the Fed was going to go hog wild. And we understand why, uh, but they took it straight down. And it's the first time it's happened, uh, you know, uh, well, I should say 2020, the pandemic took it straight down too. So we've had it happen twice in, in three years, and it's very unusual uh, that we go straight down like that. Uh, and I don't think it's going to continue. But in inflation, the shock is dissipating a bit. Now, I don't think it's going back to 2% or even 0%. And like I said, we broke the, the downtrend line. On the ten-year Treasury yield, going back 40 years, folks, the dollar 36 years. These things aren't going back down. The dollar's going up because our yields are going up. They're not going back down. I'm telling you, after that kind of breakout, after that period of time, I'd be I'd be unbelievably shocked <laughs> if they went down again. But you will start to see smaller rate heights ahead, if you see any at all. Because you're starting to hear some people within the Fed saying, "Whoa, Nelly! Whoa, Nelly!" All right. So we'll see what happens. So we're getting that late late cycle vibes. And remember, uh, when you're navigating a late cycle environment against a backdrop of elevated uncertainty around recession risk, inflation, monetary policy, it's a formidable task. Bottoms are sloppy. All right. I'm telling you, and I've said this on this show for as long as I've been on the show, if your stomach feels good when you're making a major investment, you're in the wrong field. (laughs) You know? Now, a couple things. I did see commodities pick up, and I've also seen uh, precious metals. You know, Uh, gold's hit 1900. I sent a whole bunch of people at the the end of the, in between the, the holidays things on gold. And I thought that was, you know, a couple of them called me back and said, let's buy it. So gold's picking up again. And it had this beautiful cup and handle formation. It kind of failed off of that. So we'll just see if it just does a longer term version. But the fact that it held 1,900 is very important. And if it holds 1,900, I mean, if it breaks 2,010, it could go easily go to 3,000, 3,500. So um, I have a great report on it uh, if, you, if you'd like to see it. So uh, let me know Uh, once again, you know, you want to have a cup of coffee and talk about a wealth plan and, you know, how we, look, Marshfield was up 8% last year. and I keep talking about them. It takes 5 million bucks individually if you want to go there, but I can get it to you much cheaper than that. So, uh, the, the dividend growth portfolio was flat as a pancake. The prime income list was down about 2%. The S and P 500 was down 19. The NASDAQ was down 34. So if you don't think we're doing our job. There we go. But look, ADRs are actually up this year, big. All right. And they've been up since the bottom, you know, which I said back in September 30th, that Saturday, I said, I think we're at a bottom. ADRs have outperformed the S&P 500. That's also when the dollar peaked. Okay. So those are things that you got to keep like, you know, right in the back of your head. And so somebody asked me, Tim, you know, What's your asset allocation right now? And my asset allocation in the in domestically, like I said, is fifty percent dividend growth and fifty percent all cap growth. And I I've been trying to you know put this together and for people, it's not as easy as it seems because you're trying to buy the dividend growth stocks as they come to you, you know, uh, and not not go hog wild to squat and buy everything because usually in, in bad markets that's not a a good a good thing but look you had the growth indexes you know the S&P 500 growth index was down 30 percent the value index was down five and a lot of value managers were up for the year uh as a matter of fact and they believe Marshfield was in the top 10 again that's why we use them but you know it's one of those things where you want to look at this barbell approach and and the barbell now remember we talked value and growth last year. And then, you know, we kind of chipped away from the growth side. Now I think you want to have dividend growth. Now for you, you know, who are, you know, retired and want income, the prime income list would be in the middle with some CDs right now. I mean, you know, I got 5%. You know, I told you, I said on the air, I bought a whole bunch of CDs at 5% back in uh, October, second week of October. So I think that's a good place to go to with some of your short-term money. Remember, the difference is the prime income list, you're not taxed at regular income like you are at CDs. So CDs is the higher rates better, all right? Um, so I would just keep that, as, you know, and then on the, the other side of the barbell, all cap growth. Remember, Lori Messina has been talking about small caps and they've been outperforming now for three months. So we'll see how long that lasts. So that's how I would go about, you know, Doing my portfolios, and I've kind of done that. But look, we have a a major uh, political brinkmanship coming up here, uh, where we're trying to get the the president from spending as much money as he's been spending. And you know, so we we have this. You know, we're hitting the ceiling. Okay, and I I think a a U.S. default is exceedingly unlikely, but uh, the political brinkmanship is going to start now. So this could cause some volatility. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Remember, the number here if you have a question is 216 901 0945. Stay tuned.
4: Hey friends, what you doing for lunch today? Brown bagging in the break room? That's okay, but can I make you a better offer? How about joining the herd and heading to Harry Buffalo on Great Northern Boulevard in North Olmstead? Have you seen the menu at Harry Buffalo? Oh my, an incredible assortment of mouth-watering options. Sandwiches, wings, bowls, salads, Tacos, pizza, and the Burger Bonanza, the best burger menu in Northeast Ohio, especially if you make it a bison burger. And if you can't get out for lunch, then stop by for the Harry Buffalo Happy Hour, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7, with great food and drink specials every day. And who wants to cook tonight anyway? Stop out for dinner and indulge in an amazing selection of entrees. My favorites, the Lake Erie Perch. And the chicken parm is to die for. And remember this if you go to HarryBuffalo.com and join the herd as a subscriber, you'll get a free appetizer along with all the latest buff news and specials sent directly to you for your next visit. So remember, whether it's lunchtime or dinner time or happy hour time, it's always a great time when it's Harry Buffalo time on Great Northern Boulevard in North Olmsted.
0: Ben Shapiro explains what Twitter was up to.
3: They were saying it was all algorithmic. They were saying that it wasn't either it wasn't happening or it was all the algorithm. Is the magic algorithm that was telling you the libs of TikTok had to be suspended? Well, it wasn't. There's a bunch of people in a back room somewhere who are literally deciding whether or not you should be able to see a Charlie Kirkley There's a bunch of people in a back room deciding that Dan Bongino should not be searchable on Twitter. I've been deeply suspicious of this for some time. It's not a great shock to me. The Ben Shapiro
0: Show. Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6 on AM 1420. The
2: answer. And Odyssey. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Uh, you just tuned in to the Smart Investor Show, and I do believe we have Jr. on the phone. Jr., how are you?
5: I, I am here, Tim. I have a question for you, but first Jim. I have to give you my scenario. I am okay. a real estate. I invest in real estate. I am uh, approaching seventy years of age, and I'm going to be going on Social Security. Will the income from Social Security? Will that be Declared as earned income or passive income.
2: Uh, it depends on your accountant. <laughs> oh, you know, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, some accountants, uh, you know, do it as earned income. You know, so. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, look. It just when it comes to Social Security, uh, if you're looking at Medicare and all that other stuff. You know, they're going to deduct that, obviously, from your Social Security check. But they right, also, right. Your, social, your Social Security depends on how much you earn outside, you know.
5: Okay. And the,
2: the, 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 that can be the problem. So I've heard passive. I've heard active. I've heard both. And uh, it depends on the account. I've got, R- you know, so I've got I, an accountant I, who... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, so
5: if I have an aggressive accountant, I could probably say I would like it to be done one way or the other that would benefit me rather than the government?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I want to answer that question, but uh, that's up to your accountant. And look, he's going to sign, okay? So if he thinks he he, he can do it the one way or the other way, he'll sign. It's if, not if a black or it, white issue. It's not a black no, or
5: white issue, then, right or wrong?
2: Uh, well, the government thinks it is, but I mean, i I've, I've, believe me, I've seen, I've seen tax returns, you know, because I have people come in and see me, and I've seen their tax returns where, you know, my eyes lit up a little bit. So, but if the guy signed it, you know, he he must have, look. He, <laughs> You know, I I don't know if you've been audited, but I have. (laughs) And and when you get audited, your accountant sits next to you, okay? Because he signed it, and uh, if he's signing it, you know, it's it better be legal. Let's put put it that way, okay?
5: Oh, okay. Well, it's not a matter of um, criminality, if I understand correctly. It's a matter of uh, what you're going to pay. Exactly. So if, you a pen, pick a, if you can support it, then you're not in trouble. I mean, the worst that may happen is that you're going to uh, get a penalty, but it's also possible you may receive a deduction. Correct. You know. Okay. So
2: look, look. Uh, what I'm suggesting is I've seen it both ways. Uh, I'm not an accountant, and I'm, okay. I'm not going to claim to be. Yeah, I'm not claiming to be. So I've seen it both ways depending on the accountant or your accountant and how he feels about things, you know, but he's got to be able to justify, he's got to have, you know, the, uh, you know, when he sits, if he sits across from an IRS agent, uh, he better have, you know, all his ducks in a row. Okay.
5: Right. Right.
2: Um, Okay. That's fair answer. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Tim. Yep. All right. Have a great day. Listen, I want to get back just to this, uh, you know, the ceiling, Uh, you know, look, there's, we're going to have a lot of political brinkmanship and I understand that the two parties are, you know, the president's meeting with the house speaker uh, this weekend. And so things are going to get interesting, I think, but uh, you know, it was interesting because the the VIX dropped below 20 and it hasn't been below 20 very long for a long, long time. And uh, it immediately went right back up when they started talking about this so just I, I think there could be some volatility maybe the volatility is already in the market because they've, they've already figured it out but uh, also I, I talked with uh, some people this week about their wealth plan. Uh, I'm gonna you know sit down with some more people get a copy of it and, and go over things uh, again it, the wealth plan is very helpful and we can do you know uh, I, I found out that I'm not allowed you're not allowed to do a uh, playbook type scenario, unless I'm with you. So, uh, but what we could do is we could say, okay, here's how much money we have. Here's what we're invested in. How are we going to make it? Okay. And uh, they prefer that, that I'm there just so, <laughs> so what, you know, make sure that you don't jump off a clip or something, I guess. But anyway, uh, the wealth plan is available. You can get it by, you know, just going to WHK 1420 local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show again. Uh, by the way, While you're there, go to my, and you go to my webpage, you know, don't forget Insight is a banner, brand new research pretty much every other week. All right. And then under bulletin boards is Rob Schleimer's roadmap. And this week in roadmap, he said, more stocks are showing signs of bottoming. Semiconductors are ignoring the recession memo. That's interesting. Uh, I also noticed that the number of stocks with positive monthly momentum has turned up. Now, they, they are a little bit overbought on a weekly basis, and we did go right to the breakout point on the S&P 500, only to get slammed right back down, and it, it went down hard afterwards. So, um, you know, we, we got to the just a little, you know, to the zero momentum line, you know, where we go from oversold to overbought, and then we got whacked. So we'll see what happens going forward, but... Semiconductors have broken the downtrend line and seem to be ignoring everything, which is good. Uh, I held on some of my semiconductor stocks a little bit too long this time around, but if I look at the relative performance versus the S and P 500, they've broken their downtrend line too, which is very very important, I think. Uh, so you know, keep that in the back of your your head. And there's a couple things that I saw that I thought were uh, very very important, and you know, I talked about the the uh, you know, our good friend Rob Schleimer, who provides us with our technical expertise, you know, he, he's, he's with uh, RBC and is very good, very, very good. Uh, he took over Bob Dickey, who's a great guy. But his monthly quadrant balance indicator, which is a momentum indicator, we're seeing more and more stocks with positive momentum. And that's very, very important. But. Like he said on on a weekly basis, the S and P went right to the uptrend line again, or the downtrend line, and stopped. And the weekly quadrant balance is is overbought. So we're probably, you know, sometimes you got to take take a couple more steps back before you you take a running jump. Uh, so that that downtrend line for the Nasdaq and the Dow, I mean the S and P five hundred, have become formidable resistance. And now the S and P. 500 is actually in kind of a triangle pattern. It's made a, uh, a low and then a higher low, and it's made a series of lower lows. So whichever way it breaks may be important. Uh, but with the Dow and the S and I mean, I mean the, the uh, small caps breaking to the north. I think we may see that you know be a big positive because the Russell 2000 has broken its downtrend line. So the small caps and the and the big names have been really outperforming. So people. Uh, they weren't taking chances with the big names, and now they're taking some chances with the smaller names. So now the volatility index broke below that. You know, it's been stopping at 1920 so one, two, three, four times. Okay, and then rallies back up into the 30s. Well, we broke below that this time, and then reverse right back up. So we'll see what happens. But the number of new lows hit a new low. The number of new highs broke the downtrend line. Now, that doesn't sound like uh, the beginning of a bear market. That sounds like the beginning, you know, we're starting to get that bottom in. Okay. And that's that's what I think is impo- important. The other thing is, you know, the bearish sentiment is still very, very high. I mean, the only times I've seen it this high is was back in the, uh, the early 2000s, You know, 2007, 2008, and also back in in, uh, 1989 uh, when Saddam Hussein rolled into town. So, and somebody asked me, Tim, what's better, growth or value? Value still has leadership. Uh, Growth growth has outperformed for eight years now, so I don't think it's coming back right away. Although, like I said, in the first month or the first three weeks of the year, what we've seen is the underperformers last year start to come out. And those underperformers are consumer discretionary, communication stocks, and also real estate. Uh, and then I've got a play in each each category that look really really good. Now the other thing that happened this week is you know we talked about the high beta index versus the S and P low volatility index, which is the you know more the staples etc. And the high beta is dominated by cyclicals for the most part. It has this beautiful rounded bottom, and it broke out and came right back. And now it's getting close to breaking down. (laughs) I think the industrial production numbers and the industrial capacity numbers uh, set them back quite a bit. So we'll see what happens. You got to keep your eye on that. Uh, You know, they they held up extremely well last year. So we'll see if that continues. Uh, But just remember, and I keep bringing this up, but you got to remember this. The 10-year yield on a monthly basis broke a 40-year downtrend, okay? Now, I think it's going to pull back, but I don't think it's, it's giving it up. I don't think we're going back to you know zero percent or half a percent or anything like that. we probably it's probably going to stay higher for longer. Now the dollar broke out and is is testing again. So that's something to you know it's it's holding support, but we got to go from there. But I, I I think we need a break, so let's take a break and we'll be right back. Uh, stay tuned. If you have a question, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five.
4: Listen to this station anytime, anywhere on Odyssey. Odyssey is your new audio home for all the music, news, sports, and podcasts that matter to you. Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y
6: rags. They're really important and I don't mind saying so or even getting called the ragged man by my boys. You see from my earliest days apprenticing with Lee Newberg I learned about the four things required of a true professional plumber answer the phone when the customer calls, show up on time do what you say you're going to do and clean up your mess. That's it And cleaning up your mess is one of the most important parts. It's one reason why Lee and I loved working for the older Eastern European ladies in Cleveland. They always had plenty of well-laundered rags, and they let us use them. It just made the job cleaner and easier. Plus, they were great ladies. You know, we've always been blessed with the best customers in Cleveland. Nowadays, my sons often find me by the washing machine at the office cleaning and folding rags. That's how I got named the Rag Man, and I take it as a compliment. Because clean rags and plenty of them are an essential component to the Walla Doodle experience. Consider it done at WyattWorks.com. number
2: My friend and I are taking a trip to Mexico this year, but neither of us speak Spanish, so we downloaded Babbel and started learning Spanish fast.
1: Want to start getting conversational in another language in as little as three weeks? Babbel's quick ten minute lessons were designed by language experts to be the most efficient and effective way to learn a new language. Como te llamas? Como te llamas? ¿De dónde eres? ¿De dónde eres? Babel's interactive lessons are created by real language teachers and voiced by real native speakers using a modern conversation-based method. So in no time, you can start speaking confidently about real-life topics in another language.
3: Nosotras vamos a México en dos días y ahora hablamos español. Gracias, Babbel. Sí, muchas gracias.
1: <laughs> Babel, Language for Life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com, B-A-B-B-E-L.com. When it
3: comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com.
2: Okay, we're back. Anyway, our friends at Dorsey Wright have provided us with a couple pieces of information I thought were pretty good. And uh, what they said basically was, they have something they call the 1040, which is all equity funds. And they moved back above 40% for the first time since March of 2022. It's a long time. Uh, this indicator tracks the percentage of stocks or funds whose 10-week, 50-day moving average, if you will, is above its 40-week, 200-day moving average. And this commonly referred to as the Golden Cross, by the way by many that implement, uh, you know, the technical analysis. So it's a more of a long-term focus indicator. And this is the 12th time the indicator has crossed above 40% in the last 20 years. Well, so I thought, you know, the average return in a year is is about 9.6. The median is about 4.4. And it's positive 72% of the time. So that's a good thing, you know. That's a very, very good thing. So. Um, you know, the, if you would have just invested when this thing happened, you, you'd you make a lot more money. Let's just put it that way, okay? I'll just leave it at that. So uh, I looked at uh, the markets, and first of all, we we, we finished up 10% on the, on the bullish percent this week, so that was a big move. It's been a very positive first part of the January. And what we're seeing is we're seeing a sell-off in the indexes, but... The other stocks, you know, the New York Stock Exchange is, is going up, and that's a good thing. So uh, what is the bullish percent? <laughs> uh, first of all, it comes from our friends at, at uh, Dorsey Wright, uh, and they're the keepers of it. And what it is is a risk monitor, okay? It checks the number of stocks that are, that are point and figure buys and sell signals. And what happens is when everybody gets excited, you have more and more stocks that are On point point-and-figure buy signals. And when people get depressed, there's less and less. And what you've got to do is start to work. When everybody's depressed, you've got to start to think about buying stocks, not selling them, okay? And then when everybody's happy, sell them. Now, last year, from March on, we talked about the bullish percent being at 81, then going to 60, then 78, then 60. You know, I'm sorry. We talked about that in 2021, and people were too excited. I had question after question about which stocks to buy, which stocks to buy, and my client said, "Tim, you don't have any ideas." And I said, "I have plenty of ideas. I'm just not using them right now." (laughs) And uh, because that's when the bullish percent, that's when everybody's happy. Okay, that's not when you want to buy stocks. So we were at 44 a week ago. We're at 54. It's been a big move, okay. And the hard part is that a lot of the stocks that are moving are two dollar stocks going to four, uh, and then you know, names that the chart really doesn't develop, okay? They just pop. So it's a little bit harder. So you really gotta work off of you've got to get the fundamentals, and the charts a little bit harder right now, and that's happened sometime, and then you know, move move to uh you know, make a move is what it comes down to. So it's a little bit harder. Uh, Also, my clients are very bearish right now, which is what happens. So, but we are in a column of X's. We went into a column of X's this week uh, for the over the counter, the small caps. Remember they, they had to turn around at 32. They did. They were up 5.5% this week and the world indexes went into a column of X's. So basically we're in a very positive mode yet. Everybody's still bearish. And uh, you You know, like I said, the the leadership's changing. That's why people, you know, so if you've been in drug stocks, still think they're good for the long run. Uh biotech stocks look really good still for the long run. But the industrials are giving back a little bit, okay? Uh and, and you have like I said, real estate stocks are going crazy. Um the consumer discretionary stocks are going crazy. And uh, you know, the communication stocks, which were dead last, remember they were dead last on dynamic asset level investing for a pretty long time here, and usually those are places where you're going to get the best deals. So, but when this happens, when it goes above forty, usually you have a, you know, at least a, like I said, you have a nine ten percent move. So that's that's good. The positive trend for stocks also uh, broke out, broke a double top this week, and that's another thing that's a, another major positive. So it's above forty eight. So it's shifts the that that particular indicator back to what we call bull confirmed status, all right. So things are picking up, is what it's come down to, and and I you know basic materials has broke have broken out, um, and consumer discretionary or cyclical we'll call it uh, are right. I think they broke out Friday. Uh, I think they you know I'm looking at the uh, um, the index and. Um, you know, you just got to follow those a little bit closer. But I think it broke out, so it broke a double pop. We'll see what happens. Put another X on the old screen. As far as dynamic asset level investing, energy's still number one, but they gave it up a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, people are starting to cut back on the numbers because the, the price of energy's come down so much. Uh, natural gas does look like it's put in a short-term trading bottom, but I don't think I'd go hog wild on it. Basic materials have really picked up. Uh, aluminum hit a new recovery high. Uh, consumer non-cyclicals are still there, financials and industrials. They make out the sectors that are are favored. Utilities and healthcare are not favored or unfavored. Uh, I noticed healthcare lost a couple points this week, but communication services are dead last at 27. I haven't seen too many scores below 20 in my career. Um, but I would still be equal weight industrials and underweight consumer cyclicals, although they are starting to pick up, so you got to be careful there. And then real estate's starting to pick up, and they've they've kind of outperformed here. So uh, the the stuff that underperformed last year and the most, which is consumer cyclical, technology, real estate, and communication services, all did well last week. So maybe they're they're starting to bottom. Who knows? But universe, international equities had a very eventful week. The asset class jumped into top rankings. In dynamic asset level investing, so cash is no longer number one. It's international equities, cash, commodities, domestic equities are almost tied, then bonds, then currencies. So currencies are dead last. And then, uh, I also noticed that the ten-year Treasury yield uh, broke a triple bottom at three point four five percent. So uh, that's that's pretty important. And I don't think it, I don't see it reversing back up anytime soon. The uptrend line is at about two ninety five, two point nine five percent, and I think that's where we're probably going to stay for a while, um, you know, several years. Now, uh, crude oil still on a buy signal, gold still on a sell signal, but it, it finished the week at nineteen hundred above nineteen hundred, and I think if it holds that for a while. Like I said, you know, you could have a big move in gold, so we do have a report available. Let us know, uh, but you know, gold broke its downtrend line. Uh, and you know, it, on a monthly chart had a really nice head, I mean, cup and handle formation, which is what, uh, that's the formation that Bill Middle sold to Vanguard and Fidelity for a long time until they figured it out. Uh, and then he started investors business daily, uh, but, and, and it failed, uh, it didn't fail all the way, it didn't break down the bottom. So I don't know what that means. I, I got to ask some questions about that last week, but gold did break out, uh, you know, it, it's up, uh, it's up. Hundred bucks uh, over the last couple of weeks, and uh, it did, it wasn't a downtrend up until literally the last I don't know week of uh, of the year. So in the last three weeks, it's really made a big move. Uh, so you know you you're in a downtrend or you're not, and that's you know I'm here to admit that. <laughs> so where do we go from here is what the question is, and I think the important part is that look if you look at the long term there have been three cyclical bear, mar- I mean, um, super cycles or or secular bull markets. They've averaged from the bottom 2,300%. Now, I'm going back to the bottom in 2009. If we just go up 2,000, we'd, we'd have an S&P 500 at 13,500 to 14,000. We're now at 3,900. So we got a long way to go. If we go to 2,300, we're talking about almost 1,600 on the S&P 500. Okay, so these are 17 year cycles. You know, it's usually a 34 year cycle for some reason. I don't know why that is, but 17 years down, sideways, bad market, 17 years up. So we were very overbought and now we're very oversold. And I think that's important. We just go back to that four year cycle. We're going into the fourth year. The third year of a presidential cycle usually turns up right around the the middle of the summer, so what we're probably going to have is this kind of sawtooth move, uh, sideways to up, until the summer, and then I think we start the next leg of the bull market. The other thing I mentioned on a monthly basis, and this is important, is that we had, you know, if we the distance between the four month and the thirteen month moving average, remember you always regress to the mean, was the highest I'd ever seen it, and I mentioned that you know back in January of last year. Now it's the lowest I've ever seen it. Hmm. You know, dividend growth portfolio right now makes a lot of sense. And look, we're at the bottom of the trend line and we've turned up. We, we didn't break it. Actually, we undercut it a little bit for a day. Uh, and then we turned back up. And I'll just suggest that the, the bearish sentiment is as high as I've seen it, you know, back in the early 2000s. Uh, and then 2007, and then back when Saddam Hussein rolled into town. So, uh, you know, the bearish sentiment is pretty significant. Don't get carried away with being bearish, okay? It's not a good idea. So I think we're still in that secular bull market that we talked about. But look, you have the dollar, and you have the the 10-year yield breaking out of big, huge downtrends, and commodities broke out of a 14-year downtrend. Things like that don't go away right away. They, it, it takes time. So there we go. Anyway, we're going to be right back with Insiders. Stay tuned. Uh, if you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned.
0: I don't want the world to know. I don't want my heart to show. Two faces have eyes.
6: Listen, you don't need to fix your skin. You need to find what works for your skin. So get to know
2: all your skincare options at Ulta Beauty's Love Your Skin event happening now. Discover daily beauty steals of
1: 50% off faves like Tula, Osea, and Megley's Cosmetics. Plus, find weekly wellness deals of 30% off brands like Truly, Love Wellness, and Foria. You're in your skin
2: 24-7. Make it a place you love to be. Hurry, this event ends January 21st. Shop in-store, online, or try curbside pickup today. Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful.
4: Always Right Radio with Bob Franz. You said if you take the shot, you will not get COVID. You said if people take the shot, they will not spread COVID. Then you said, you know, that was in some early trials, but it's ninety percent effective. Ninety percent of the people won't get COVID. And then you said if you got the third booster, it's going to be marginally better, but you need the fourth booster. How many boosts and how many more billions of dollars collectively over those shots is going to take before you finally say out loud, okay, it doesn't work.
0: Weekdays at nine a.m. the
2: answer and Odyssey. Okay, I uh, I haven't heard two faces have I uh, in probably 25 years. So uh, Lenny, our technician, has done a great job of mixing them up. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk about insiders. So what we've done is we've talked strategy. You know, we talked about earnings coming down, and then we talked about. Uh, Economics and general market information, and we, you know, we got uh, into more stuff like the semiconductors and uh, and that type of thing. And, and so, we're we're trying to give you an overview, and then these are maybe actionable ideas. It's up to you guys. Uh, I know I, I look at these things all the time, so you uh, know I'll leave it up to you guys. Mario Gabelli, the great Gabelli. If you don't know who he is, you should. He's probably one of the great buyers of healthcare. And communication stocks of all time. Maybe John Malone's a little bit better, but uh, Mario knows the healthcare area. In this particular sense, he he bought the Gabelli Healthcare and Wellness Trust. He bought four point five million dollars, and then uh, a couple days later, he bought sixty one thousand shares, or you know, so he bought five point one one million. Now, what I thought was interesting is there's a gentleman by the name of. Uh, Jeff Jonas, who's actually the portfolio manager, who also bought 25,000 shares. You like to see multiple buys. And speaking of multiple buys, CHS is a farm products company. And Peter Meyer, who I looked into, pretty sharp guy, bought uh, one, two, three, four, five, six times, uh, and to you know, he bought one hundred fifty thousand bucks each time. So I thought that was interesting. And then applied digital. You may recall that there was some buyers of this at a dollar eighty, and there were big buyers. And, and now the CEO Wes Cummins has stepped up and bought a couple hundred thousand dollars. So uh, some big buyers. Uh, it was several months ago. So uh, I just want to mention that. And here's an oil stock that got beat up a little bit. It was one forty-five. Now it's trading at one thirty-two, and at one thirty, Mike Kerr, who's a director, uh, EOG is in you know expiration production. He bought about two point seven million dollars with the stock, which I think is you know kind of interesting. And then um, David Hamamoto uh, continues to buy Diamond Head Holdings, which is a shell company. It's an acquisition company, and he's co-CEO. Remember last week he bought a whole bunch, and he bought another three point. $3 million dollars this week and then he stepped up two days later i'm sorry uh two days before that he bought 1.6 million dollars worth so uh, 1.7 actually so he's he's obviously uh smitten with the company and then this is really interesting noah levi uh he bought uh merrimack pharmaceuticals at 11.90 uh Now, this this company jumped big back in, uh, I think it was November. You know, it was like a $4 stock and went to $12 uh, on a takeout, and they're still buying it, which means it's probably some kind of, uh, you know, I didn't check it because I I didn't own it, but it probably is some kind of uh, stock deal. So he's obviously very happy with where they're going. And then uh, Francis Blake, who's the director at at Delta Airlines, uh, bought uh, 12,880 shares to two and a half a million bucks. And I thought that was interesting simply because, uh, you know, nobody's been buying Delta lately. They've been selling. And then also, uh, you know, Coinbase, uh, you know, we had several buyers in the last couple of weeks, and we had another buyer, Tobias Lutke, who's a director. He bought $370,000. So quite a few buyers, uh, not as big as we've seen in the past. So just remember that. Now, look, uh, 2023 got underway, had a very nice, robust rally, and we were actually down half a percent until Friday, and then we we became positive. So remember, usually, as goes the first week of January, after a down year, goes the market. So the market was up 1.4%. That's a very positive sign. Now, some people say it's the month of January, so we'll see. Uh, but we came right back to where we broke out from. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if you know these guys uh, uh, can get it. Well, let, we'll just see if we can get the market going is what it comes down to. So, look, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ remain in downtrends this year. It's the small caps and the Dow that, are, that have broken out. And also the, the New York Stock Exchange Index, which is a huge index, by the way, so those are the indexes that are breaking out. So you've got to look in different spots than the S and P 500. You know, somebody asked me about Apple. Apple went parabolic, and I, I don't. It might not go down. I think it's going to go sideways for a pretty long time. I, you know. So I, it, look, Amazon and, and Google and all those names pulled back. The question is, will they go up? I don't know. But the we're we're seeing you know other signs, but. You know, this week, uh, you know, if you don't know the DeMarc signals, uh, they showed a little bit of exhaustion, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the percentage of S&P 500 names above their 200-day moving average this week exceeded 80% up until Thursday. And then the VIX plunged, you know, uh, t- down um, below 20, actually below 19 for the first time. And we've seen in a long, long time, you know, so uh, it's. It's kind of tough to tell you, you know, where we're going from here. But, you know, it, the VIX has, at, when it's hit 19 and a half, it's rallied back up to 34, four times in the last year. So if it, if it breaks down under there for a while, maybe, we, you know, we've got a rally going and we'll see. But one of the things I did notice this week is the defensive groups, the Staples, who we've, you know, we've talked about quite a bit on the show, we're not offering much safety. <laughs> they got beat up a little bit, you know. Coke backed off. Procter Gamble backed off. Some of those names that you know that have been holding up really well. Uh, so the the one thing that perturbed me a little bit is the, you know when when our our Lady of the Fed uh, spoke, um, we had some above average downside volume, and that that kind of worried me a little bit. And we'll see what happens. But uh, the you know, the Treasury. Market, the ten-year treasury market is telling us, "Hey, we're in a recession," but the Fed's thinking otherwise. So um, I don't know what uh, you know what we do from here. Uh, it could get a little bit more difficult for us, but that the commodity rally continues because the dollar's pulling back and and yields are under pressure too. So, look, copper looks quite bullish to me, and gold turned quite bullish the first week of the year and now it, it didn't look so good for most of last year, you know, it was in a downtrend. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, now the other thing is the dollars right where it's major support is. So the dollar rallies, they could pull back a little bit. So what we're doing is we're, we're having these rolling corrections, you know, and, uh, that, that's something you gotta, uh, pay particular attention to because you don't want to buy things up. Okay? You don't want to chase things, I don't think, right at the moment. You want them to come back to you. So, uh, you know, equities continue to shine, show signs of like minor consolidations, and then they get whacked, and then they show a minor consolidation and they rally. So it, it's going to be tough to tell you, hey, uh, you know, go out and buy this right today. All right. There'll be some good ideas. Uh, you know, I've got quite a few good ideas that I'm, I'm waiting to come back to me. Natural gas I've had a lot of questions about natural gas and it does look like it's co- close to bottoming out technically I don't know about the fundamentals uh, but you know we need we need a rally back over 4035 because we got to 4100 and we pulled back right away so we need to get over there again uh, and I, I think the real key here is sector rotation has shown a big period of outperformance uh, from last year's laggards you know we talked about the communication services the real estate, and and also the uh, consumer discretionary. So we'll go from there. So what will we do now? I'd go to WHK 1420, go to the local podcast, down to the Smart Investor Show, set up a time so we can sit down and do a wealth plan. Uh, and, and we'll go over some charts. We'll go over your portfolio, you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, right now, the, the wealth plans are being put into place so that we know on the next rally up where we where we sit, and we'll take a look at them then. I do think it might be time to start to nip away at some stocks, okay? And look, uh, if you're a 200-share buyer, buy 50 or 100, okay? That's the way it works. But you know, look, dividend growth right now is the best opportunity I can tell you. They're They're not overvalued. They look good. Prime income is just a hair undervalued. And then all-cap growth. So, you know, if I'm 68... I'm looking at dividend growth, prime income, in the majority of the portfolio, and then all cap growth. You know, you get our best ideas and, uh, you know, put a few here, a few there. That's the way I'd be running my portfolio right now. As far as bonds, keep your, you know, maturities short. I don't think it's time to buy long bonds right now. They just, you know, they've, I I don't know about the risk-reward relationship right there. So I, I would stay five to seven years. Uh. But six months is the highest yield out there. So the market is really, really suggesting a uh, recession. So stay tuned. Anyway, anyway, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. Like I said, do a wealth plan. Give me a call and we'll have coffee. Uh, in the meantime, buy low, sell high. Have a great weekend.